Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Excited about what I'm going to share tonight and... um First, I want to just thank you, uh, thank our pastors, Tony and Kath, for allowing me to be up here tonight to share from this platform uh, something which I believe will really encourage you tonight. And I was just thinking before in leading up to uh, tonight, um, if one person goes home with something, some tools in their hand that will change their life from this point onwards, well, I go, it's, well, it's been well worth it. So I'm just really, really excited about what I'm going to share. Uh, very quickly, for those who don't know me, my name is Mick, and um, I have a beautiful wife in Katie down the front here, and uh, four amazing children. That is Maddie, Phoebe, Eli, and little Jack-Jack, and uh, I do teach at Tyndale Christian School. Any Tyndaleans in the house? There's a few. That's good mums and dads, that was your time to call out as well, just not the kids, because you're part of the Tyndale community too. And uh, so midweek I teach year six full-time in the classroom, and uh, it's been an amazing journey this year going back to teaching, and uh, on the weekends I just love making coffee. So that's a little bit about me. But uh, if you're taking notes tonight, I do have a little bit of a subtitle. It's called, There is Power in Your Midnight Hour. And uh, what I've been given the privilege to do tonight is to share my life verse. And throughout different moments um, in this year, the preaching team have shared their life verses. And tonight, I've got the privilege to share mine. And uh, it is found in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And we'll get there in a moment. But I want to just quickly set the scene um, before I get into that verse. Uh, basically, the book of Acts is the, is the recordings of some of the significant events of when the early church was going gangbusters. So Jesus had died and he's gone to be with the Father and the early church was on the move and exploding. And some of the significant events was uh, in and around a man named Paul. In Acts chapter 9, you'll read about this man and uh, he up until this point was a hater of the Christian faith. He was a hater of the Christian movement. He was his life ambition to uh, stop the church in its growth and stop it moving forward. There is an account in Acts chapter 7 that talks about how he was the witness of a man being stoned to death. So he was a bit of a troublemaker. But then comes Acts chapter 9 and and Paul has this encounter with God that changes his life forever. And so from that point onwards, you start to read about how this man Paul starts to bring about change in people's lives, sharing the Word of God, sharing the love of God, and many people's lives were changed and transformed. And that brings us to Acts chapter 16. And just a little bit more before we read specifically. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and his mate Silas, they're on their way to a place to pray. And then they encounter this woman who's got this mental illness, some men in authority at this point in time were leveraging this women's illness and making money from what she was doing. And so they encounter this young woman and uh, Paul realizes that, hey, you know what? The power of Jesus is at work in my life and I can bring healing to this lady. And so that's exactly what he does. And through this kind act, he ends up, him and Silas, they find themselves being placed in the jail. 
such was the authority that these men have. And I want to just pick it up in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And if you don't have your Bibles with you or your phone's gone dead at the moment, well, it's going to be back up here on the screen. Here we go, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. It's a bit of a rough day, isn't it? Small act of kindness. I'm going to heal this young girl and she is made well. And then I find myself being stripped of my clothes and beaten to the, within an inch of my life. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. This is not the jails that we know of today. It doesn't have a plasma TV screen and a nice clean toilet and a window where I can see a little bit of daylight and perhaps, you know what, I feel like a bit of gym time, so I might go and have a little bit of gym time. This is what the jail that Paul and Silas were in. They were in the dark dungeon where there was probably no amenities, sewage flowing. This is just gross. And then in 25, everyone say about midnight. About midnight. It's a bit better. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to take his life. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. It's okay. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. You see, the life verse that I want to share with you tonight is found in Acts, 25, Acts 16, verse 25, that midnight hour. And simply, a life verse is when, you know what, when life is happening, circumstances are happening in your world that are out of your control. This is like the fullback verse that you go to to be encouraged by, to receive life by, to receive strength by. And I want to tell you about a midnight hour moment in my life. There's been many, but this one is very, very special to me. And it's probably the first time outside of sharing it at school a few weeks ago that I've shared it publicly. You see, when I was 22 years old, I was around my girlfriend's house one night, my then girlfriend, and we were watching Friends on the TV. And uh, that morning, this is the date, August the 24th, 1998. That morning, I was at the gate and my mum and I were leaving for work at the same time. She worked at Lacornu's Furniture Store and uh, she was dressed in her red and white. And I was a motor mechanic and I was dressed in my overalls. And I said, see you later, mum. I love you. I'll see you tonight sometime. Little did I know that that would be the last time that I would speak to my mum and say those words, I love you. 
Because like I said, later that night at my girlfriend's house, while watching Friends, I received a phone call. I said, is that Mr. Mick Roberts? Yes, it is. It was Mobbury Hospital on the other end of the line saying, you please, must, you must come down here as soon as possible to the emergency area, please. So I got in my car and I went down to the hospital. I was quickly taken into a private room. It's when I entered the doors of this private room, I see my dad. It's like in the fetal position, knee, head between his knees, bawling his eyes out. And amongst a few words, I managed to piece together that my mom had experienced a heart attack that night. You see, my mom and dad, they'd like to go to the gym on a regular basis, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. Do the aerobics pump circuit thingamajig, as it was known back then. And on the way home, my dad was driving down Milne Road with my mom in the passenger seat, and my mom just slumped forward and hit her head on the dash. Dad stopped on the side of the road. He tried to resuscitate her and bring her back to life. He quickly realized this was not working, so he drove as fast as he could to Mowbray Hospital, where then the medical staff then took over and tried to resuscitate her life. Rocking up to the hospital, she was dead. But fortunately enough, the medical staff were able to revive her. There's a few vivid memories that I have in my mind that night. And one of them was this. Upon being taken to where my dad was sitting, I remember looking at the corner of my eye and seeing a lady, which now I worked out soon after, that was my mum. And they had the paddles on her chest and her body lifting up off the bed as I resuscitated her life. You see, that began a week that was felt like, I guess, the week from hell. I felt like Paul and Silas in that moment. The circumstances out of my control. But then I fall back on what I do know. I remember one moment, another vivid memory, was on a Tuesday night and holding her hands beside her bed and looking her into the eyes. You see, life support was keeping her alive at this moment. And what had taken place, because her heart had stopped beating for such a long time, there was a lack of oxygen that had gone, that had stopped going to her brain, and she was pretty much, life support was just keeping her alive. And so, although she physically wasn't looking at me, I looked into her eyes, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. May she have an encounter with you where she will meet you, Lord. It's my heart's desire that she would come to know you before she gets taken away. And I remember eyes opening just for one moment. And I felt like that was God saying, Hey, I've acknowledged your prayer. I've heard your prayer tonight. And don't you worry, because she is with me. You know, some other challenging moments that week. It was about Thursday, and things weren't improving at all. And so the medical staff called all the immediate family together in a one room. 
And they say, you know what, we've, you've just got a couple of choices. We can either continue as we are and allow the life support system to, you know, maintain her life and support her being alive. Or we can take and remove the life support system and, and allow the natural course to take place. Allow her body just to take over. And it was tough because I believe, I was only a Christian for eight years at this point in time. And I believed in a miracle working God. I believe that God, could we just keep her alive just for a little bit longer could, so, so that my family could see you at work and you'd do a miracle in her life and you'd bring her back to life. I've read the stories. You raise people from the dead. God, please, could you do this now? But I had to accept the fact that this was not going to take place. We as a family decided that we'd take life support off. And allow the natural course to take place. Sunday morning, 5am, it's August the 30th. Hopefully my mass was right there, I'm pretty sure it is. I receive a phone call from Mulberry Hospital. Mr. Roberts, can you please just come into the, to the hospital? Your mum's just passed away this morning. So, let's travel down to the hospital. I see her lying peacefully on the bed. The sun's shining through the window. There's nothing, you know, like all the life support's gone now. She's just at peace and at rest. And I just had to draw upon what I did know. That my God was a good God. He's a great God. He's a caring God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. And in that moment, I remember amongst thanking him and praising him for what had taken place this week. I may not have got the miracle that I was desiring, but I did get a miracle. I believe with all of my heart she encountered Jesus that Tuesday night when I was praying for her. And I remember praying, God, give me this Give me the opportunities to lead other family members to know you, like my mama experienced this week. And I don't know about you and what you're up against tonight. Do you know what? Maybe your midnight hour moment could be you're in a deep financial crisis at the moment. Maybe your midnight hour moment is you're suffering from a little bit of anxiety at the moment. You're worried about what people think. Maybe your midnight hour moment right now is perhaps relationally, there's a struggle, whether it be with a wayward child or whether it would be with a, your spouse at the moment. I share my story and the account of Paul and Silas to encourage you with a few things tonight. And I want to share three things to help you. The first one is this. The first one is this. I want to encourage you to lift your voice to pray. You see, in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, there was much that was restraining Paul and Silas at that present time. There were circumstances that were in, that were outside of their control. Just like I was walking in and, 
and seeing my mum in her situation. There was a circumstance outside my control. But what I could control was my response. What Paul and Silas could control was their response. And they began to lift their voice and pray, as it says in Acts 25. You see, I'm not sure about you and what you're facing at the moment. Like I said before, But do you know what? You can lift your voice to pray and to seek God. And I'm talking about not just quietly, but I'm talking with passion and zealous and belief. Thanks, Dr. Dre. I really believe that moment, like I shared before in my story, when I held my mum's hand and I was praying for her. I couldn't control what was happening at that moment. But I know I could pray. And that's exactly what I did. And I believe God honored my prayers that moment through her opening her eyes and just one glimpse of her eyes, God encountered taking place. You see, it just wasn't for those moments that we need to pray. It's prayer that should be ongoing. You know, I remember moments last year while having the privilege of leading kids ministry and There'll be moments where I'll be seeking God's face and praying to Him, God, I would love to see the kids today to have an encounter with You. Something that may take place in their hearts and their minds, where that would be changed forever. And that just wasn't just for one occasion, but it was through multiple occasion, multiple times throughout the year and across the time of leading kids. And I see God honour those prayers today. Just more recently as we had the conference, the youth conference, and seeing my year five young boy, and it's such a challenge to me, during praise and worship, that he would come down to the altar on his knees, seeking the face of God. And then on report, when I got home and, and I'd see it, I said, Eli, what had taken place tonight, do you think? Dad, it was so amazing. I just really felt the presence of God. And I really felt Him say, it's okay. Be at peace. I'm here with you. And it just pleases your heart no end. And that comes off the back of years of pursuing God zealously, passionately in prayer saying, God, why don't you do a mighty work in the hearts and minds of kids? May they have an encounter with you that they would never, ever forget in their life. And the fruit of those prayers is seeing not just him, but then there was other year fives on their knees, passionately seeking God. I want to encourage you, if you're up against it, You're going through a midnight hour. Let's be like Paul and Silas and let's lift our voice to pray. Not only do we need to lift our voice to pray. See, Paul and Silas in this midnight hour moment, they lifted their voice to sing hymns and praise to God. I want to tell you, praise and worship in and around the time of this event went to a whole nother level, both publicly and privately. As you could imagine, being very tender at the point of losing my mum. I was seeking God like I'd never had before. 
And I felt God tangible present like I've never experienced before. I felt praise and worship was a, a great way to draw close to God. But it wasn't just for those moments. You see, it can't be just the one-offs. I said both publicly and privately, praise and worship was at another level. But I would say more privately. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is when these midnight hour moments come in your, in your world, what does private worship look like for you? You know, I believe that this morning, off the back of Cass' word, there was a great moment created where we could step in and see things broken off of our lives. Just like it said in Paul and Silas, off the back of them praying and off the back of their praise and worship to God, the Bible talks about how the earth shook, the chains come off, and the prison doors became unlocked and broke open. See, that sort of stuff comes out of private worship to God. And sometimes we get caught up in what will other people think? Are other people watching? And I want to encourage you, where is a, a spot that you could find? But even tonight, as we go back into praise and worship off the back of what I'm sharing, may you, may you come to the altar tonight and forget that there's probably everyone else in this room and seek God. And believe that, you know what? Hey, Mick, I can identify with you. I'm actually facing a midnight hour moment right now. And I want to put into practice what you're encouraging me to do tonight. To praise God, to worship God, to lift His name high. And see things broken off. To see the breakthrough I'm desiring. You know, I remember again... Last year, there was many moments that I'd be here on a Sunday morning preparing for kids and preparing for other different things that I was involved in. And I'd start my day just before everyone else was here in the small auditorium, the music pumping so loud that it would drown out my voice. There's a reason for why I don't sing on stage because I'm not musically inclined that way. But I love to sing and I love to praise Jesus. And I remember there was this one moment, the music was pumping and I was singing this elevation worship song and I was in the moment and I turned around and then all wind walked through the doors was Pastor Ash. And this elevation song was going, it was cranked up and then all of a sudden I was caught off guard. Because Pastor Ash had walked in the door. No fault on him. But you know what? It was just, they're very special moments. And I'm not sure about you. You may not have the key to the building and know how to turn on the sound system. But where is that for you though? Where is your private place of worship where you can seek God without any interruption, without any thought given to what will people think, what will people say, and really lift your voice and praise God. I trust that we can do that very soon. And the third thing is, not only did Paul and Silas lift their voice in prayer and lift their voice to sing, 
But you need to lift your voice to declare. You see, in verse 28, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. See, the jailer was about to take his life because he realized the consequence of not doing his job is that he might lose his life anyway. And so Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself. It's okay. Don't do anything. We haven't gone anywhere. And the jailer is so moved by Paul's kindness. Must have recognized there's something in that man that I need for my life. And his response is, Paul, what must I do to know the same Jesus that you know? And he says this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. You see, in this moment, in this midnight hour moment of mine, when I was age 22, very new to the faith, only eight years in, and this tragic thing happens, I had to declare within my own thinking, just like we've sung tonight, you are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. In the natural sense, I may have been excused for saying, okay, God, why did you take my mum? Such an early age. Many 22. My brothers, they're only 19 and 18. You know, mum's not even going to see me walk down the aisle and get married. She's not even going to hold my grandchildren. Why, God? Faced with the real thought of turning my back on God. And like I said in the natural, people might understand that. But I had to fight those thoughts. And just like Paul, declare the truth in my thinking that God is a good God. This tragic thing, yes, has happened. Undeniably, yes. But you know what? It's not going to allow me to give up on believing in God, trusting in God, believing in His goodness, believing that He is by my side, walking with me in every moment of this very vulnerable time right now in my life. And I want to encourage you. What do you need to declare over your midnight hour right now? God's truths and God's promises. You see, being in the classroom... I love to remind the kids that I teach on a regular basis that this is the truth about how He sees you. And it's not just true for the year sixes in 6MRO. It's true for every single person here tonight that you are being created in the image of God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are gifted and talented. I am the product of God's workmanship because my God does not make junk at all. So what it is in your midnight hour that you need to proclaim truth over that. Fighting the thoughts of not matching up, not feeling good enough, overcome with anxiety. Tonight, I want to encourage you to go back to the Word of God and find some of those promises of how He sees you and declare those things over your life. So very quickly, I want to invite the rest of the band to come to the stage. If you all stand to your feet, I'd love to finish by just praying with you tonight. 
And I reckon Pastor Fuel is going to take over in just one moment. What is your midnight hour moment? I've shared with you how I lost my mum at 22. And how Paul and Silas, Acts 16 verse 25, at about midnight, that midnight hour, they did a handful of things. Couldn't control the circumstances. Couldn't control how physically they were bound. But they could control their response. And what they did was use their voice and lifted up their voice to pray. Lifted up their voice to sing. And lifted up their voice to declare. Holy Spirit, you are present in this room tonight. And you know each and every single person's story in this place. Lord God, you know the midnight hours that people are facing right now and walking in right now. Or perhaps have faced just more recently. And they're in a spot of being railroaded in their faith. Perhaps these midnight hours have happened many years ago. And hardness of heart and bitterness is there. God, I pray that tonight, that through Paul and Silas and my story, may every person be reminded, we all have a voice. We all have a voice to pray and to worship, to seek you, God. Because you are present in this room and you want to make yourself known. And just like Paul and Silas experienced before their very eyes, as they lifted their voice to pray, as they lifted their voice to praise, as they lifted their voice and declared, the ground shook, chains came off and prison doors came down. And God, you're wanting to do an incredible work in people's lives tonight. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.